So this session's been titled Rewilding the Mind, so it means something like returning things to a a natural state. The natural state is regenerative, um, has vitality in it, and operates in accordance with rhythms, um, so it's not a static state, it's rhythmic, it's subject to growth and, de- and decay it's a kind of living experience and yet although items decay within nature nature continues so clearly a single animal dies a species doesn't die out yeah. there's a regeneration mm-hmm. so rewilding returning to this where you know, we can recognise aspects of our lives aspects of our realities change over decades that thing's no longer alive it's finished Um, this is what's coming up this is the new growth this is the green stuff and that's what we're in things pass away new things come up things that pass away we can feel grief for or, or nostalgia for New things that arise, we can feel excited by or mystified by. How do I manage this? Uh, the human predicament is how to live in a domain which is actually still very much in accordance with nature, and yet we tend to be educated consciously and subconsciously. in terms of systems um, logic reason decisions times agendas achievements performance success failure do any of these occur in nature What do any of these, can any of these, if you sustain them, success, failure, performance, reason, can any of these take you to comfortable enjoyment of the (coughs) here and now? Uh, I would there's maybe one or two but the ones I've seen as far as I can recognise none of them do (laughs) they don't move that way they don't take you to intimate subjective peace of mind they take you to say a decent career or getting sacked (laughs) (laughs) and the two sort of (laughs) go like that they take you into uh, places that you have to leave they take you into approval ratings that you've got to keep going on and you, sometimes you, you can't always make it they take you into stress they take you into a lot of explaining about the world explaining about it but they don't take you into an intimate enjoyment of it they take you into measuring it they don't take you into feeling it, experiencing it. 
So this is the systemic approach or the, uh, that human beings operate through. And we can look around, we can see, you know, everything is like that, isn't it? Times, clocks. So it's, it's helpful for, for what? For organizing people for what purpose? To get them to run on time. <laughs> you start to think there's a hidden agenda in here <laughs> just mostly you know the working day get them all there at 8 o'clock and then get rid of them at this time <laughs> you know, so we in fact with systems we which we can operate and that's how it starts, because when we can operate a system, oh, how wonderful, oh, look at this. <coughs> oh, I pushed this button, this, oh, isn't that exciting? <laughs> oh, look, I can do this, and this light flashes. That's how it starts. And then, oh, the buzzer's ringing, I've got to do this. Oh, the light's flashing, I've got to stop doing this. Suddenly, the system that you started operating is now operating you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it gradually becomes more and more dominant, isn't it? Your phone phone call. Oh, happy to hear from you. We're so pleased to hear from you. Please press one. <laughs> <laughs> or press two. Or go away. <laughs> it doesn't matter because I'm just the recorded announcement. <laughs> Please contact our website for details. There's nobody there. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, there's somebody who's probably, oh my god, another <laughs> <laughs> trying to handle this <laughs> this thing of having grouped, you know, ten thousand people together to operate in the system. There's probably three or four agents beyond it trying to manage it all. <laughs> And that's what it all comes down to. Somewhere you, you come through the system, however clean it is and how wonderful it is, and as you dig through it, you realize finally there's somebody underneath that, you know, who's probably you know, totally rattled with stress trying to keep it going. <laughs> and there's probably somewhere else, somebody sitting back, you know, raking off the proceeds <laughs> of that so yeah. gains and losses of course this is much more than but then it's it's that uh, you know that kind of systemic approach you know, is something that's so ingrained and it's not just in obvious mechanical systems but even in our our uh, perceptual systems that is we tend to seek models stereotypes because it's easier that way how can I place you in my vocabulary she's one of those he's one of that he's clearly this oh he's an alpha um, he's a Taurus with Gemini he's a this 
there you are, Bop. you're named, you're numbered, Bop. you're slotted, your ticket's punched, there you are. <laughs> now I know how to deal with you. And it kind of has a truth to it. Uh, but, you know, it's a truth of eternal division. Eternal division. And, and you come down to, you know, what's the common language? Feel happy, feel unhappy, feel comfortable, feel not comfortable, feel worried, feel not worried, feel present, feel dislocated spinning, feel sunk, feel crushed, feel elated, feel spinning out, feel up in the sky. These experiences, which seem so poetic, are actually much more accurate renditions of what is discerned what is really experienced and by and large the system reality just poos that poo-poos it and this begins historically with the whole rise of objective science where we became uh, dazzled by the ability to measure things as objects rational science, measure things as objects with devices you can do amazing things and that real, that's what the real world is, it's that which we can measure as an object there we can measure it with a thermometer or a ruler or a microscope or a telescope, we have devices to do that and you, and you put it down, you write down on paper five of these equals six of those and it all kind of adds up in its own universe and Anything that doesn't fit into that doesn't exist. That's nice and easy, isn't it? What we can measure exists, what we haven't got measurements for doesn't exist. So therefore, we only assemble the data that fit reality and the rest of the data doesn't count. (laughs) So, you know... You, but you recognise even Newton or Einstein when they were measuring the cosmos was also experiencing indigestion uh, <laughs> grief um, excitement, inspiration uh, compassion hopefully uh, ethical sense of conscience Who was, how do you measure those? what's more important? right? What's more important? Both have their significance, don't they? What's more important to you? That that we can now get close enough to Pluto to be able to photograph its surface. What an incredible thing. We can now send images back to Earth of Pluto. We can we can see that far into space. <coughs> Unfortunately, you can't see the stars in it because of the murky atmosphere you created, <laughs> and we can't see each other as fellow human beings. We see each other according to our labels and categories and efficiencies and inefficiencies and whether you can do this or do that or whether you we call it intelligence you know 
and then you get things like uh, intelligence equals the ability to read or write or perform according to the system there's an intelligent person if you can't do differential equations you're stupid so if you can deal with objective reality in a proved way that's called intelligent but if you're someone who sensitively can appreciate uh, wildlife or being present or what's happening in in your own heart and mind that's irrelevant really that's not intelligent what kind of intelligence <coughs> leads to your welfare and leads to your liberation from suffering yeah. what kind of intelligence so this is coming back and recognizing the wild <coughs> domain of the non-systematic however curious and uh, illogical it seems that is the reality that we need to be able to bear with, handle, experience for our enjoyment, to cultivate for our welfare and to clear for our liberation. And for that, rational objective science and its methods will not only not prevail, but will be frustratingly a frustrating obstacle as you know try and reason with an emotion it doesn't work try and blame a a mood and it doesn't work try and make it fit something it doesn't work you have to meet it and you can meet this in the the wilds the nature that's, that's, that's the point and notice how many times in say meditation practice or in dharma practice or in fact in life where we meet these difficult places something goes oh well how do I do how do I I shouldn't feel this way what's it says in the book (laughs) it shouldn't be like this because it's not it's not it's not reasonable or I should know better than this I understand, you know, the hindrances are unworthy, da 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 da. I've got that up here in my head and it's still happening. Because head knowledge itself tells you about something, tells you how to name something, but it doesn't tell you how to deal with it, how to integrate it. That has to come from the emotional base of the mind or the emotive base the heart base of the mind and that heart base has to be given ground and stability and support from the body base embodied base embodied base the heart itself that basis of mind is extremely sensitive and agile but it easily if it's not held properly it easily gets overwhelmed blown away or we spin out of that into thinking about our feelings, our moods and trying to solve them that doesn't work either you have to learn to hold the heart in the body 
then it becomes an exceptional source of the wisdom that leads to liberation and this in essence is the theme of Buddha Dhamma perhaps put in unusual terms but uh, as the Buddha famously said on numerous occasions there is no gaining or access to the deathless without mindfulness of the body those who don't fulfill mindfulness of the body the deathless is lost on them all states that are supportive of wisdom are to be found through mindfulness of the body in this body with its perceptions, consciousness and feelings is the arising of the world the maintaining of the world the passing of the world and the path to the ceasing of the world in this very body Mm. what is he talking about? clearly when we review that last phrase he's not talking about sinews and bones (coughs) he's talking about uh, in this body with its consciousness and perceptions in this very body with its consciousness and perceptions is the arising of the world cosmos and the passing and the way to the ceasing of that in this very body now we again you have to re-figure that because by and large our experience of objectivity is so dominant that we tend to experience the body as an object that is it's a thing I see there so I see those bodies in front of me I can look down I can see this body there and I'm here looking at it I can look in a mirror and see that body there and I'm looking at it it's an object and I can then form a a view about it or an opinion about it be attracted to it disappointed with it whatever it's an object and I want to make that object do what objects are supposed to do which is satisfy me (laughs) (laughs) that's always there with objects either satisfy me or get out of my way that's the relationship (laughs) this is the and this is the fundamental a fundamental problem for human beings is objectification and rationality tends to very much enhance objectification as real the real thing this is the reality the objectification the world earth spins around the sun um you are 1.7 metres high that's the truth you weigh so many pounds or ounces or kilos that's the truth you have this kind of liver or this kind of blood that's the truth you're an A type blood type that's the truth I'm giving you very accurate descriptions of the reality of your body as an object you see when I sit here I don't feel like an A <laughs> I don't feel 1.75 I just feel like sort of slightly uh, with some sort of squidgy bits happening <laughs> and energy's moving around 
oh, don't worry about all that. <laughs> That's just the mood. <laughs> Let's get some nice, clear facts down about you as an object and as you as an object that's not bad recognise there are of course innumerable number of objects that increasingly numerous devices can state about this body we can get into genetic code DNA proteins muscles sinew fibres neurons and so forth it's a dazzling world of objects there's another world subjective world right. now this in this domain subjectively in this body I don't feel no blood group I don't feel a chromosome what are you talking about genetic code <laughs> what's that got to do with anything yeah fact when I'm sitting here I don't even feel hair <laughs> or toenails where did it all go yeah. you know, you're painting your toenails for the last five years and then you sit down and they disappear <laughs> <laughs> subjectively there's no body in terms of the object there's no body as an object this is objective experience and this is what it's essentially mobile, fluid, sensitive responsive, it trembles it surges, it flares it sinks, it tightens it tenses, it eases it dances, it moves and what substance is it? it's ooh, difficult <coughs> to say really sometimes it's firm sometimes it's soft sometimes it's watery sometimes it's explosive and so these the four elements that about sums it up fifth element is well space that's that's it okay hello earth air fire water and space fellow earth air water fire and spaces how are you doing that's great on one level useless for organising people so the systemic reality is that way and then the subjective reality is this way subjective reality is the place for liberation (coughs) so you've got to recognise what you want to do and when you want to do it and how those integrate It's also possible to relate to these messages. Remember, the objective domain is really a series of messages about things. And we can begin to see, we begin to experience that is, oh, that experience of shiny... Uh, made of plastic um, dyed blue um, cost 25 pounds that is the experience I call attraction and it feels like this 
It feels like this. It feels like flaring, ooh, reaching out. It feels like this. And you've felt a few of those because they happen a lot. Glowing things, glistening things, shiny things, coloured things, musical things, bouncy things, whatever. You feel that, ooh, 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 nice, ooh, nice. Mm. A few of those and you begin to experience the consequences of Ooh, ooh, ah, ooh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Right, I know that signal. Just let's back off on that one. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, maybe so. Uh, one is easy realizing we're, in, we're, intoxica- we're intoxicationable. We easily get intoxicated. And intoxication feels like fun and ends like disaster (laughs) so you start to learn a little bit and you learn other things like this feels kind of uh, not very interesting so what maybe a bit difficult and I can feel myself kind of pulling away from that or being pressurized by that. I notice if I bear with it and stay present with it, it starts to change. And it lets me go. That's interesting. Yeah. This is called, you know, that things that on the first hit seem to have a certain quality that is definite and real that we are either attracted to or repelled by you just keep your ground you don't make a decision just keep your ground and let the thing reveal itself and as you do so you feel that groundedness the attractive goes ah and you go oh so it's that okay it's it's masks the, re- the rep- repugnant. Oh, I can't stand that. Stand your ground, keep your ground, stay steady, feel in your body. That's become more equanimous. And certain processes occur. Uh, what occurs is a deepening of the subjective resource in one way or another essentially subjective resource, complicated word deepening of heart, deepening of mind what occurs if we pause and stay with rather than jumping forward or jumping back is that you don't have to come up with an answer (coughs) you stay in your body, in your embodied state as those signals fire you stay present those signals subside and in that process something you gains really big gain you gain equanimity you gain truthfulness you gain dispassion you gain compassion you gain patience yeah. big gains through doing nothing 
apart from the big thing stay present stay embodied doing nothing that takes a lot of doing takes a lot of doing (laughs) to learn to do nothing (laughs) because the immediate thing is I'm going to fix that I'm going to tell her what she is she can't talk to me like that <laughs> yeah. oh quick I'll do that quick now I'll get that done <laughs> oh no otherwise those won't hurt those kind of blurred deflects yeah that's where the jump occurs we jump out of embodiment out of the integrated embodied state into we jump something jumps and a very convincing jump seduction Uh, (laughs) and some seductions obviously are grosser than others or seemingly grosser seduction of clarity well that'll sort it out great idea what you need to do is why are they getting upset (laughs) I think your problem is what's the matter with her I just told her where she was at <laughs> seduction of clarity <laughs> yeah. and of course we do it to ourselves that's that's the nature once you move into system reality not only does everybody else become an object but you become an object too right you've heard of the inner tyrant inner time inner critic tells you where you're at where you're not at what you should have done and how you got that wrong and you did it again after all these years (laughs) (laughs) and you're still never going to be that let's face it (laughs) and you're not worthy of it anyway you become an object and what's lost compassion is lost humour is lost flexibility is lost mutable it's the wonderful interplay of the natural world the wonderful interplay of the natural world everything is sensing itself and juggling around itself and feeding itself and knowing itself you know And there's amazing things in nature. Reading, uh, just yesterday somebody sent me a clip of, uh, of an article, there, there's some, some article, and it's about how trees communicate to each other in, in, in tree ways, of course. There's a kind of... <laughs> sh- <laughs> and they're just starting to get an understanding of this. So it's probably not a complete understanding. One way they communicate is through the root system. So the roots <coughs> go into the ground. It's an incredible uh, detailed network of roots and rootlets and root hairs going out into the ground. And often they accumulate um, fungal systems that themselves have got threads that trail through the ground. So it's a vast underground network of interconnected fibres and there's chemical transfers that go along those things so some tree 
feels that another tree needs a bit of support, just shoot a little bit of good juice down that fibre and it goes up. <laughs> you know, they, they, they know each other, they sense each other. And they found, you know, you can plant a tree sort of like within a certain range of, a, of a, another tree that's the same species and it will tend to grow. You put it too far on its own, in the middle of a field on its own, it doesn't grow. It needs its friends. It's like a child needs its parents. You can't just, oh well, go and sit in the middle of a nice place. No, you need need that. So trees know that. We forget it. <laughs> yeah. So that's just trees, you know. And of course, fish and animals flock and herd and move around and synthesize and vibe with each other and know each other and that, so there's this enormous language which we think is not a language because it isn't written down therefore it doesn't exist <laughs> you can't put it on, type it on a keyboard it doesn't exist <laughs> that's that's that nature <coughs> is not it, not stupid dumb matter it's extremely intelligent clearly where did we come from <coughs> their thoughts just materialize out of out of cyberspace or didn't they come out of an embodied reality where that that some of that intelligence is synthesized into abstract structures but we should never forget the abstract structures of words of language of logic is purely an attempted translation of felt realities and often the translation is inaccurate and many times the translation has run away in its own intoxication with itself from what it's trying to refer to so we can know all the things about a human being without ever fully being one (laughs) or meeting one actually as they are and you can see this the dysfunctionality dystopias all the things you need to know about a human being apart from how to be one the addictions the suicides, the depressions, the anxieties all the things you need to know about how to do this, that and the other apart from how to live (laughs) learn everything you need to know about algorithms uh, economics you don't know how it is to live so this returning okay (coughs) so yesterday I was um, just kind of introducing to you a few exercises or movements or suggestions on how to you know, uh, feel this quality of intelligence in the body. Like I was saying, you know, how come you manage to get that spoonful of food in your mouth every time? You never poke it up your nose. Um, Something there is clearly, without having to think about it, it's clearly adjusting how the hand moves towards the mouth. Yeah. And you don't have to think about it anymore. Like we were practicing just closing our eyes and drawing our hands together very slowly to feel the sense of as two, both hands are clearly felt 
distinct and separate we send the message please come together and they don't miss each other (laughs) how do they know they can't see you do it slowly enough you can feel you can sense something tingles something suddenly the rest of your body goes into abeyance and there's a sense of these big handedness a handedness so you know it's not an object it's a subjective experience of something dynamic happening and it begins to intensify and tingle and sense and become very acute and gradually move into touch notice that what is it that intensifies that navigates that feels things we call this energetic so we have you know you might say in terms of embodied reality you have what can be seen objectively as the world of gross form but you have also a subtle form which we would call the energetic form for want of words it definitely is, is a form it's a form which where the intelligence lies or the intelligence is registered in this energetic form it, it arouses <coughs> it withdraws it senses, it na- navigates it negotiates, it tingles and trembles it experiences space or, or proximity or intimacy or caution or vigour it experiences these subjective qualities with extreme accuracy it cannot lie this is why it's so reliable why it's really helpful to, to get that now using two hands because this is perhaps the place that's the most easy for us because these hands are still extremely sensitive but as we cultivate I tell you that that sense that kind of sensitivity can occur particularly in your upper body through your chest and abdominal areas in your face and it will tell you I'm not comfortable it will tell you there's apprehension it will tell you I'm feeling threatened it, yeah, it will tell you that and it will also as you come into that and you meet that appropriately appropriately it will resolve itself ah okay the signal has been heard and then appropriate action can proceed from there so this is the important checkpoint to come into before we come into action and even as we come into action if that action is just like walking very simple action still you know you, you stay with that so you're not walking according to a theory of walking you're not walking in order to be somebody who walks well you're not walking in order to get into meditation you're not walking in order to look like you're walking properly you're not walking in order to follow a system of walking <laughs> there's nobody walking <laughs> there's just that walking walks itself and the mind is oh, this is how it happens that's proper walking <laughs>